They, they just act like they're eight years old. <laughs> Amen. Who can tell me what the topic of my messages have been for the past three weeks? What's mad, mate? Make a difference. That's right. Over the past three weeks, we've been looking at how Christians can be used by God when they get this, when they choose to make a difference. That's the problem. We all have this innate ability within us by the Holy Spirit of God to make a difference. It's just often we choose not to. After all, what good are we if we don't choose to make a difference? What value are we to this world we live in if we don't choose to make a difference? I read this story about a mother and baby camel who were talking to each other one day. Does that strike anybody as being a little odd? Anyway, the baby camel asked the mama camel, Mom, why do I have these huge three-toed feet? And the mother camel replied, Well, son, we trek across the desert, and your toes help you stay on top of the soft sand. A little later, the young camel asked, Mom, why do I have these long eyelashes? And mama said, Well, they're to keep the sand out of your eyes when you trek across the desert. Mom, why do I have these big humps on my back? They're there to store water on those long journeys as we trek across the desert and we can go without drinking for a long time. So the young camel said, so let's see. I've got these huge feet that stop me from sinking in the sand. I've got the long eyelashes that keep the sand out of my eyes. And I've got this huge hump uh, to help me store water as I trek across the stand. And Mama said, yes, dear. And he said, well, why are we in the San Diego Zoo then? <laughs> I want you to think about that story for a minute. Have you ever woke up and asked yourself, why did God permit me to wake up this morning? I can tell you why this morning, on Sunday morning, why he did, because he wanted you here, amen? Have you ever asked yourself, man, I wonder why my heart's still beating? Why am I still here? What is the purpose of my existence? If you haven't asked those questions, I want to tell you that you need to. Because just like those camels, we all have equipment. We have all been equipped with special gifts. We've all been equipped with character traits and abilities to make a difference. And if you don't use them, you're just like those camels in the zoo. Often we don't use what God has given us to make a difference. That being the case, I want to tell you that there is a reason why God have, has permitted you and I to be here. There is a reason why your heart's still beating. There is a purpose to your existence. 
The Bible says that one of those reasons is because you were created to make a difference. You were created to make a difference. The Bible also says that God has given us talents to make a difference. Paul taught us in a sermon several weeks ago that we can make a difference when we pray unceasingly, when we live righteously, and when we evangelize or tell people about Jesus fervently. James said we can make a difference when we listen and do God's Word. When we keep a tight rein on our tongue, we can make a difference. When we minister to those in distress, we can make a difference. And when we keep ourselves clean from the pollution of the world, we can make a difference. But last week, Jesus showed us the best way that we can make a difference. He reminded us that making a difference is not about who you are. Making a difference is about who God created you to be. And he said in that message that God made us to, bring, to be servants to bring God glory. We were made to be servants just like his son. His son was a servant. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to be a ransom for many. At this past Wednesday morning Bible study, we talked about the fact that becoming a Christian is only the beginning of the purpose that God has for our lives. Being converted is just the first step. It's just the beginning. For in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says that we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for, say for, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word workmanship means something that is created with a purpose. We are God's workmanship, created for a purpose. We are created to do Good works. We are created to do good works that God prepared a long time ago. Even Jesus said, let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We were created to do good works that bring our Father glory. Today, we're going to be hearing from a man who struggled with a question that we all do. He struggled with the question, what is the meaning of it all? What does it all mean? And I believe that it's important for us to know the answer to that question. So in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon, King Solomon talks about all kinds of negative results that come when we try to live life with no meaning. When we try to live life with no purpose. Now, if King Solomon has the problem, certainly we would too. If anyone should have known the answer to that question, what is the meaning of it all, King Solomon should have. I mean, after all, Solomon had it all. You hear me? Solomon had it going on. He had it all. He had money more than he could ever spend. How'd you like to have more money than you could ever spend? Hallelujah. He had possessions 
more than he could ever enjoy, he had possessions. He had wives more than he could ever please. Amen? I mean, like you're having a hard enough time pleasing one, right? He even had wisdom greater than anyone else in his day. Solomon had it all. And at least for a while, he didn't have a real grasp on what the meaning of life was. He really didn't have a true grasp on what his purpose was. That's right. For a long time, Solomon was living life without a purpose. Look at me, look with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and let's look at some of these negative results that come when you try to live life without meaning, when you try to live life without purpose. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And I'm reading out of the, the NIV today. It may be a little bit different than what you're reading in the, in the other translations, but it really speaks to me a little bit differently, so follow along if you can. Verse 1, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of all Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does a man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and then it hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north and round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they will return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye has never seen enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. There's no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. Let us pray. Father God, our sole prayer this morning is that your word would speak to us to encourage us to realize the purpose you have for these lives we have on earth. That we pray in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, as we see in the scriptures there, when you don't know the meaning of life, life can seem empty. Verse 2 there, Solomon writes, Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Have you ever felt that way? Where you're just spinning your wheels? It doesn't mean a hill of beans. Without some kind of guiding purpose in your life, life just won't make sense at all. Secondly, when you don't know the meaning of life, life can also seem pointless. Look there in verse 4 and verse through, through verse 6. Solomon says things like, generations come and generations go. The sun rises, the sun sets, and then it returns again and does it all over. The wind blows to the south and then to the north. Round and round it goes. You know, life can be a lot like that. Life can become like a merry-go-round, going round and round and round, yet never seeming to get anywhere. And here we hear uh, Solomon saying uh, that, I think I know the result of this kind of thinking. In verse 8 he says, all things are wearisome. 
That kind of life is wearisome. More than one can say. In other words, this pointless way of life, living life without meaning, living life without purpose, is wearing me out. You won't have the energy for that kind of life. You have only enough energy granted you to keep your focus where it needs to be. And that merry-go-round kind of life will wear you out. But not knowing the meaning of life can make your life seem empty, can make your life seem pointless. But also, when you don't know the meaning of life, life won't really satisfy you. It just won't satisfy. Notice the last part of verse 8 there. The eye never has enough of seeing, and the ear never has its fill of hearing. We're in a generation of people who always want more. I gotta have more. More money, more possessions. I gotta have more. We've gone from a a little 10 inch black and white TV to giant screens of projection and high depth, LED plasma, high fidelity, stereophonic surround sound. I mean, these are beast television sets now. I even heard somebody talking about uh, the fact that they had 300 plus TV channels. Man, I tell you what, you put a a 300 plus channel remote control in my hand, you'd think I'd be happy, but I'd still be as restless as if you gave me 10. It's just round and round and round. Why is that? Because the things, say things, because the things in life will never really satisfy you. The things in life never really give you satisfaction. They never have meaning. Fourthly, when you don't know its meaning, life will seem insignificant. Look in verse 11. There is no remembrance of men of old. Even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. Author Tony Campello said, Have you ever, if you ever start to, to feel proud, just remember this one thing. Soon after your body has been lowered into the grave, your family and friends are going to be eating tater salad and telling jokes. Y'all, that's a little bit depressing, amen? And I don't like talking about depressing stuff. But let me tell you what. A life without meaning, a life without purpose, can seem awfully insignificant. A life without meaning can also seem empty and pointless and unsatisfying. So what do we do? We need to discover God's purpose for our life. We need to discover God's purpose for your life. If your life ever seems empty and insignificant, maybe it's out of control, then I want you to know that God does have a purpose for your life and mine. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible says, Long before God laid down earth's foundations, He had us in mind. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he settled on us as the focus of his love. Long ago, he decided that he was going to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning out all this. That verse tells us that a long, long time ago, before God created the heavens, before God created the earth, God had mankind in mind. He had you and I in his mind already. That Bible verse continues in in verse 10 telling us that this was his purpose. 
that he had us in his mind, that he would save us and adopt us and bring us into his family, into that close relationship. That was his purpose. And when the time was ripe, then God would be able to gather us all together wherever we were, whether we were in heaven or on earth, and we would be with him in Christ forever. Say forever. Forever is a long time. Forever. Did you hear that? We're going to be with God forever. Forever. When the time is ripe, when the time of waiting is over, God will come and gather His own together forever. That's a long time. He's going to take us to be with Him. So now, at last, I'm ready to give you the meaning of life that I talked about at the very beginning of this message. What's the meaning of it all? The meaning of life, the purpose of this life is to prepare you for eternity. The purpose of your life is to prepare you for eternity. This life is like preschool. This life is like a dress rehearsal. This life is time to get ready because we're going to live a lot longer on the other side of death than we're going to on this side. Preparing for eternity. You may live to be 70, 80, 100 years old, but that's just a little speck, one grain of sand on the beach of eternity because we're going to live forever with God. So the reason that we're alive today The meaning of it all is to get us ready for eternity. That's the reason for our existence. That's the meaning of life. It's for us to get prepared for eternity. So what in the world does God want me to do? What does He want me to do? There are four things, at least four things, that God wants us to do with our years here on earth. One, God wants me to get to know Him. He wants me to get to know Him while I'm here. That makes good sense, doesn't it? Amen? I mean, if I'm part of His family and He's my Heavenly Father, then I ought to take some time to get to know Him, right? Right? So how do you get to know someone? Well, you talk to them. You listen to them. You you spend time with them. That's how you get to know them. And that's what we got to do with God, too. I mean, I wonder how God feels when people, His own people, don't even try to spend time with Him. The Bible also teaches that I can come to know God when I come to know Jesus Christ, His Son. And Jesus Himself said, when you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. So in following the Lord Jesus, I'm following God. And there's only one way to truly follow Jesus. And that is to understand His Word. So in being here, seeking a deeper understanding of His Word, you're enabling yourself to follow Jesus and thereby get to know God the Father. But there's another thing that God wants us to do with our years here on earth, and that is God wants me to become like Christ. He wants me to become like Jesus. If I'm a member of his family, he's my heavenly daddy, amen, and I ought to take on some family characteristics then. Just as my children ought to take on some of my traits, the good ones, I hope, amen, 
uh, then I should exhibit some of the traits of Jesus. I ought to begin to resemble our Lord Jesus, God's Son. And the best model that Jesus provided was when He was being a servant. When the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings stepped down off of His heavenly throne, came down, wrapped a towel around His waist, got down on one knee, and washed His disciples' feet. That's being a servant. Being willing to lower and debase himself to serve the likes of me. What a servant. And you know what God says? God says, yep, that's my son. That's my son. And I want you to be just like him. Willing to serve. Willing to be a servant. God is so busy trying to form his character in us to make us more like Jesus. And that's always been his goal. Preparing us for eternity to be like his son. But there's something else that God wants us to do. He wants us to do with our years here on earth. And that is that God wants me to practice being a servant. Why must I practice? After all, what is practice? Practice is getting ready for the real thing, right? If I practice for a football game, that means I'm practicing for the big game. Practice doing it for real later. See, in heaven, we're going to be serving. Did you hear that? In heaven, we're going to be serving. In heaven, we're going to be serving. So there again, I think of that. Lord of lords and that king of kings bowing down and serving his disciples. Do you remember Princess Di? Who remembers Princess Diane? Amen. I liked her. I liked Princess Di. Man, she lived in palaces. She rode in luxury automobiles. She ate the finest food. She wore designer clothes. She had expensive jewelry. She was famous. She was young. She was beautiful. But on the other hand, I also remember Mother Teresa. Old and bent, I liked her too. Living in the slums of Calcutta, India, Mother Teresa spent her time among the diseased and dying people of that nation, crowded into her makeshift hospitals every single day. Seven days a week for all of her adult life. That's what Mother Teresa did. She served other people. Which one of those two, Princess Diana or Mother Teresa, do you think was the happiest? That's the secret of the contentment in this life. That's the secret of contentment in this life. When we give ourselves away, we find out what this life is really about. And until you do, you'll never get it. You'll never understand what this life is all about until you give yourself away. He wants us to practice. Say practice. He wants us to practice being a servant. 
Now, there's also one more thing that God wants me to do with the years I have left on earth. God wants me to share life's meaning with other people. Why does God keep me around? I'm born again. I'm saved. Why doesn't he just let me go home with him? I'm ready. I want to see him. I can't wait to see the face of Jesus. I can't wait to see my loved ones who have gone on before me. I'm ready to go. Why doesn't he take me? Because the only plan that God has for telling others about the meaning of life is for those who have found it to tell them. That's the only plan he's got. Is to use you who have found the real meaning of life to tell those who don't have a clue. The Bible says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and he has committed to us this good news message of reconciliation. He's given it to you. What are you doing with the message? God has no other plan except this one. He uses those who have found the meaning of life to tell those who don't. So once I understand what life is all about, that this life is preparation for eternity, God wants me to tell as many people as I can about the meaning of life. As we close this morning, I'd like to share a poem with you that ought to give you really good insight about what the real meaning of life is. So listen carefully. I'll wait till you get put your Bibles up. All right, everybody ready? An old man traveling a lone highway came at the evening cold and gray to a river deep and wide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim for the angry stream held no fears for him. But he turned when he reached the other side and began building a bridge to span the tide. Old man, cried another near, you're wasting your strength by building here. Your journey will end at the close of day. You never again will pass this way. You have crossed the river deep and wide. Why do you build a bridge at eventide? And the builder raised his old gray head. Good friend on the path that I have come, he said. There follows after me today a youth whose feet will pass this way. This stream which has been nothing for me to that young boy, a pitfall may be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I am building this bridge for him. As you look on your life, are you a bridge builder for the next generation? Or is life, your life, all about you? 
God wants you to be a bridge builder. A bridge builder for those that don't know Him yet. A bridge builder for children. And I can't think of a better way to build bridges than what we do on Wednesday nights here. Is it a sacrifice to build that kind of bridge? I'll tell you first and foremost, yes it is. Are there people who come to this building after uh, working 8 or 10 or 11 hours to, to build bridges for kids for two more hours? Yes, there are. Are they tired? Oh, yes, they are. Is it difficult for them? Yes, it is. But they are so committed to building bridges to the next generation that nothing will keep them from it. There's more help needed. There's more bridges to be built. There are more children that don't have a relationship with God, and they're likely not because their families don't know God. So God has commissioned you and I to give this message of reconciliation, not only to them, but prayerfully through them to their parents, their brothers and sisters, grandma, granddaddy, aunts and uncles, cousins. It's an open door when we take on this task of bridge building. What's the meaning of life? Building bridges. What's your purpose in life? To build bridges. Are you? Let us pray. Father, I thank you for not taking me home just yet. I thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be an instrument, Lord, whereby you might build bridges to yourself. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be bold. Help us to be sacrificial, Lord, in what you've asked us to do. Help us to realize that the meaning of life is to build bridges for others. Otherwise, you'd call us on home. We're here for others now. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, by faith, that there will be still those who would respond to myself or Miss Beverly that would want to be included in the CIA Children's Ministry. What a great way to build a bridge. A bridge not only to children, but to families. So Lord, I pray that you continue to use us as we faithfully serve you and discover the true meaning of life as we discover the true purpose that you've given us. Oh Lord, I thank you so much for including us in your work of building your kingdom. Now, Lord, if there's a person here today that doesn't have a clue what I'm talking about because they've never accepted Jesus as their own Savior, as their own Lord, Lord, I pray that you'd let them know that today could be their day, that they could become part of the family of God when they receive Jesus and trust in Him as their Savior and their Lord and allow Him to dictate the meaning and purpose of their lives. Lord, they could come forward today and they could accept the Lord as their Savior and be assured once and for all that they have a relationship with you that can never be broken and a home in heaven that can never be stolen. Lord, I thank you for that promise, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ here, and I pray that you would help us all now to become faithful and obedient to your call. In Jesus' name, and all the people of Bethel said, Amen.